The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Bet with Tote and support racing in the UK and Ireland. At a time when the pressure was on and we needed racing to step up, they called Cheltenham the greatest show on turf and it very much lived up to its name with incredible story after incredible story. Remarkable performance after remarkable performance and stunning racehorse and stunning jockey performances on top of that as well. And I'm delighted to be here to review it. I'm Emmett Kennedy in the company of the undisputed king of the tote now, Jamie Benson. How many winners did you tip on the Cheltenham preview night? And the host, literally with the most, not only was he the anchor for racing TV throughout the entire week, but also globally, as Peter Fornatel and uh, Naomi Tucker, friends of the show, who will be back on soon, were texting me about how much they were enjoying Cheltenham 2021. He also hosts his own daily podcast, which is Essential Listening, and has the best racing debate show on the television. It is the Racing Broadcaster of the Year for about the 20th time. Mr. Nick Luck, welcome back to the show. It can only go downhill after an introduction like that. Thank you, Emmett. Good to be back. I very much deserved. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed Racing TV's coverage, and I think that yourself, Lydia, um, yourself and Lydia in particular, but the entire team, I thought Jonathan Neeson was, was brilliant as well. It's a question that's been asked, but to ask you as a broadcaster who has been to pretty much every major event in the world and you've anchored a lot of mainstream racing coverage on terrestrial television in America, but also you've covered pretty much every Cheltenham festival in your career. What was it like with no crowd? Well, we had had a year, I suppose, of, of getting used to there not being a crowd and even at some pretty big events, but it, it was right up there as as very strange indeed, because I think because the restrictions have tightened here in the last couple of months before or they get loosened again. Yeah, the, the restrictions were, were tighter for Cheltenham than perhaps they'd ever been at, at any major fixture I'd attended. Certainly tighter than they were at the Breeders' Cup and it tighter than it looked in, in the Middle East and, and in Australia. So uh, it was really odd. And because Cheltenham, more than any other event, is so contingent on, on the crowd to provide atmosphere, it, it really was a, an, an, odd, an odd experience. But... But by midway through the first afternoon, I'd almost forgotten at one point that, that there was no crowd there. I mean, if you're, if you're broadcasting for a racing TV audience, as distinct from an ITV audience, perhaps you could say that the crowd isn't as, isn't as important because you're not going to be putting quite as much um, of that into the program. So, uh, yeah, but by about halfway through day one, I, it, my mind had been taken off it. But then there were moments that punctuated the week where... You were you were reminded of it quite starkly again, but still, look, the the quality of the sport was outstanding. When they write the record books, they're not going to write asterisk. There was no crowd, <laughs> so you know, and it it didn't seem to take the gloss off too much for Henry de Bromhead, Chibley Park, and certainly not for Rachel Blackmore. Oh, absolutely not. 
I suppose the top performance came day one in the champion hurdle, the Unibet champion hurdle before the sponsors Piora comes running after me with an axe. Honeysuckle and Rachel Blackmore get back-to-back Cheltenham Festival wins. Another brilliant performance from Henry de Brumhead at Cheltenham. With last year's form kind of holding up, Sharjah, the runner-up last year, was second again and the winner of last year's race, Epiton, uh, with her new jockey, Aidan Coleman, finishing third. Nick, what was your overall impression of, of this year? champion hurdle and your reaction as i watched was I'm, I'm pretty sure it was as the director came to you and said nick you're on i'm pretty sure you just went wow <laughs> and that's that kind of yeah. summed it up for all of us I, I probably got a bit carried away in all honesty but we do occasionally don't we we do occasionally get a bit carried away and i, I it was a completely genuine emotion i wasn't trying to compensate oh it clearly was I genuinely was blown away by it. So I tried to work out why subsequently uh, I'd made some quite outlandish comments that were probably verging toward hyperbole. And I think it's because of the way she finished her race off, the way the, the, the way in which she rounded the final turn almost on rails, honeysuckle, jumped the last and then scampered up the run-in. And I think that left the impression of a, of a performance of, 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 of utter and total dominance. And I was staggered by how well she'd finished off the race. Now, the subsequent section analysis of the race suggests that the reason for that was that they'd slowed the pace down because Goshen was being a headbanger in the middle of the race. Oh, Jesus. They, the, 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 the pace of the race had slackened significantly. And really, it turned into a test of speed. And, and she was able to win like she was because A, she was in great form. B, she's very, very good. C, she's got more speed than people thought she had. And D, she was tactically well positioned by Rachel Blackmore. But the image, the image, I think the impression of her scampering away from Sharjah and Epitant in a really good time up the hill, a really good finishing split, uh, just was a, just made me feel good. And before you start talking about ratings and mayor's allowances and where it sits in the pantheon of all-time champion hurdle winners, it just made me feel good. Uh, and I didn't think at that point there would be many, if any, performances during the week to, to eclipse that in terms of dominance and quality. How wrong I was. Well, I completely agree with you because at that time... I felt the same way, and I had not backed uh, Honeysuckle, but I could only applaud the performance of Rachel uh, and Honeysuckle, the fact that I got it so badly wrong. But also, you mentioned the tactical brilliance of Rachel Blackmore, and that's a subject that I think we'll keep coming back to as we discuss these major races. What I loved about what she did in this race is when the pace wasn't as insane as, as it should have been, because Goshen, as you said, is a bit, bit of a headbanger, she glued herself to Epitant and Aidan Coleman. She went, right, you're the defending champion. You're probably my biggest danger. So I'm going to stick to you as you're on the rail. I'm going to decide who goes first, and it's going to be me. And I just thought that was a piece of absolutely brilliant race writing. There's nothing nefarious there. That was just a, a piece of exceptional race writing from... Uh, a very, very talented jockey. Tactically, she had this absolutely spot on, Jamie. Yeah, I mean, there's very little I can add. You can sit there and argue the toss all day about where this sits in the in the grandest, in the wider scheme of champion hurdlers. And but all I can think of is is her turning turning for home and just absolutely leaving them all for dead um, for a horse that was questioned as not being that quick. Um, my God, she sure made them all look quite slow, didn't she? Oof. Um, but yeah, it was just having felt before a bit 
not flat, but not maybe not like it's Cheltenham. Like I've watched a lot of racing on TV over the past year, as we all have, <laughs> and Cheltenham, and Cheltenham is is different. Cheltenham always sits aside from from all other racing, and it hasn't hadn't necessarily felt like that until Honeysuckle won this. Then suddenly, to Nick's point, I was like, wow, okay, we're at Cheltenham, aren't we? Absolutely dismissing last year's mighty impressive winner of the same race, and I was just yeah. So full of the joys of spring, really. Um, it, it gave me gave me the real love of racing back. But yeah, no, it was it was it was a proper race, and I I, I think they were in a decent enough gallop. I mean, sectionals will be sectionals, and and all that kind of stuff. And there were, there were a few keen in behind. Um, I just I don't think you can knock any holes in it. I think it was a a complete performance. Um, and good luck at anyone taking her on again. <laughs> oh, good luck with that project. Yeah, I completely agree. From a tow perspective, how strong were the pools on the day? Because from from what I could see, it looked like it was big. Yeah, pretty good. We, we obviously don't didn't, didn't have race courses or betting shops open um, who provide a huge chunk of the volume. Um, but we had the the French pools, the Paramutual coming commingling into our pools, which bumped liquidity up a bit but um i mean really, really the story of the tuesday for me was uh, was winning the play spot but yet uh, yet losing money on my bet because all the favorites came in wait 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 did you you got the place pot up yeah but the, the, the dividend was only five pounds 80 so oh. not not because of there was half a million pounds in the pool so the, the dividend <laughs> is actually entirely unrelated to to um how much money is in the pool the dividend is purely a function of the results and unfortunately, every single favourite place, um, in many cases, also the second and third favourite. So, oh, no. So where I'd, where I'd done my life-changing, I'm going to win 90 grand, like the bloke a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, I, managed, I managed to get sort of all sorts of odds and sods to place at big prices, and then, <laughs> then all the favourites place as well. well um, uh, so that was, that was the type story of the day, really, the play spot. Well, I mean, with the greatest of respect, you, you kind of needed, and um, I'm talking about his welfare here, and he's... He's okay, and he will be back for action, hopefully before the season ends. Um, but you kind of needed a, an, an NVLN, um or at least appreciate it not to perform on the day. But yeah, uh, bonkers stuff. For, for, context, for, for context, sorry, we'll come on to Envoyalan, um the, on the next show. But that one race took out 89% of the, of the pool, whereas the entire six races in the first day's play spot only took out 80% of the pool. So... <laughs> that tells you a story Sorry, of, so, how, of, of how, how important getting one favourite beaten is to a play spot but, and, and it, it cost us a bit of money as well because we were running a play spot insurance if you lost the first leg for anyone who who placed their bets the night before with us so um, I think that had a few internal people running around uh, trying to justify it <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but great for punters go on the punters <laughs> Mr. CEO, please, please, it's a good a account acquisitions, Mr. CEO. Look at the account acquisitions, Mr. CEO. Um, responsible for that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, the next race. Uh, oh, b- by the way, before we move on, Nick has done an interview yeah. with Nicky Henderson. Uh, I have. The, the, the main man himself. So he had winners, but I'm sure he was disappointed overall with the week, considering how things, uh. how things went. I don't think he was really. I think he was very happy with it until until the Gold Cup. I think he thought Epaton should have finished second um, mm. behind Honeysuckle. But I don't think he has any complaints given that she didn't have an absolutely perfect prep. 
I think he said 14 out of his 22 hit the frame, including two winners. I think he, I think he was very happy until the Gold Cup. I think if he'd had, a, if his horses had finished, you know, second and third in the Gold Cup or whatever, or you know, third and fourth or something, I think he'd have been basically pretty happy with with events. It was just Champ and Santini who let the side down. But Epaton, he said uh, he thinks she should have finished second. She didn't get the best trip round, and he's quite looking forward to having a crack at Honeysuckle on what he hopes will be genuinely fast ground at, at Punchestown. But you know Punchestown, you can get anything, can't you? You can get it uh, uh, bottomless or you can get it very quick. So um, he would like the the latter, I think. Yeah, you and I have, have been there together being told the night before, oh, it's going to be good ground and you turn up and it's actually soft and like, what the hell is going on here? But Punchestown is a, is a great event and I'm very much looking forward to it. And we can see it live on Racing TV. Uh, the Close Brother Mare's Hurdle, which was won last year by Honeysuckle. Uh, this year, oof, uh, favorite beaten ahead, but uh, I think this is one of the ones that Willie Mullins was, was most disappointed about in Concertista. Black Tears wins for Denise Foster. So Sneezy Foster gets a win on the board, Nick, and um, an important win from her perspective. On her form last year, to be fair, she'd beaten, she was second to Dom de Company. I thank God she hadn't beaten her in the Carl Cup. So that meant that she should be taken seriously, but she'd been thumped by Concertista at Leopardstown in December. Yeah. Uh, she was coming into this on the back of a win. I didn't see this result coming. Yeah, I, I, I did see it coming. I'm, I'm not saying I got everything right, and I'm not I'm not after timing. But no, this is this is one I did like. Um, Black Tears. I, I think I was helped massively by a brilliant ride from Jack Kennedy. But the case for her really was that her, on rating she wasn't that far behind um, Roxana and uh, and Concertista. I think most of Concertista's form has come on slightly softer ground. Mm. As for for Roxana, I think that's a relative test of speed for her on quick ground. I think she wants a bit further when the ground's like that. So it could be argued that neither of them was able to run right up to their very best. And given that Black Tears was little, a little, only a little way behind them on ratings and she had perfect conditions, I think that's where the equivalence was garnered. Uh, plus a brilliant ride from Jack Kennedy, plus a slightly lighter preparation, plus a very nice confidence-boosting win the previous time. All the stars aligned. And she 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 scrambled home, but she's she's a very smart mare. She doesn't mind a big field. I think getting her into plenty of trouble is the right thing for her. Needs to be delivered late. She's got her own way of jumping. She's very good, but she's she doesn't want to be forced at her hurdles. She just does her own thing. And Jack Kennedy was brilliant, just leaving her alone and just or it sort of inserting her into the race without her really knowing. And I was the first of just a sequence of absolutely brilliant rides from him. I mean, how, how the guy's only 21 and had, had broken his leg four times. Jesus. Goodness. So he must have ice in his veins. He's an absolute, he's absolutely brilliant. First grade one uh, of the meeting for him, but there would be more to come. In terms of Roxana, Jamie, I thought this was just a case of the wrong race. The skeletons were probably kicking themselves afterwards with the way the ground had gone and that if they just decided, let's go. Let's Hang on. Hang on, Emmett. Come on, Nick. Debate. Porter? Yeah. Do you think she'd have beaten Flooring Porter? I mean, I, I, nothing was beating that. As a, as a backer... Finished second in the stairs hurdle. As a maybe. backer of Flooring Porter and as the race that we're going to be talking about next, no, but I do think they, they probably felt to themselves... We should have gone for the more premier event, and she may have finished second. Yeah, well, she. Uh, okay, go on, surely, surely, 
I mean, when it comes to Cheltenham, it's a, it's a well-known fact that um, the owners have two different views. You either go for like, I want to run in the prestige race or I want to run the race where I've got the best chance of winning. And we know where Mullins and Richie and, and all that lot fall into. And the race that she had the best chance of winning was probably the mares because it was weaker than the stairs. She is a much better horse over three miles, especially on this ground. But that doesn't mean that she necessarily had a better chance of winning the stairs just because she's better suited to the trip. And for me, I would have run her in this just, but I, I think the exact same spot on two mile four on, on goodish ground is absolutely at the very like lower limit of, of how far she wants, she wants to, go. to go. But you've got, I mean, ultimately, you know, she's, she's only beaten how many, like, how many lengths here? Um, you know, five, three. So, yeah. Like, you know, she, she's not that far off. Yeah. She's been three lengths and she's not that far off. And would she have finished three lengths behind Florian Porter? Jeez. It would have to be a serious career best for that to have been the case. So I think even in hindsight, I just, I, I still think I probably would have run her here. Um, and maybe hope that something goes off with a bit more of a tear away pace. The reason I say this is that it's £25,000 prize pool for finishing a third. It was, Jesus, nine £9,000 for finishing third in a grade one. I, I think the conversation we're going to have with Nick at the end of this show is going to basically answer itself. Um, the, owners, the owners would have made it all back on the trifecta in the mares, which paid £70 versus the forecast of uh, the tri- tricast of 40 quid. So I was just go. about to ask you, by the way, that the trifecta crushed and it was a gettable trifecta, which I'm assuming that Nick got. Yep. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably, Concertista will head to Punchestown and uh, there's no reason why Black Tears won't do the same thing. So um, they can rematch. Maybe Roxana will come over. Maybe she will. Maybe she won't. Maybe she'll head to the... Is it possible, Nick, that she'll go for the entry hurdle? Uh, I, I would think that would be a sensible spot for her. But again, at entry, they'd, they'd have two options, wouldn't they? They'd have the, the Liverpool hurdle, in which she's been a very close second before. If you remember, she was just touched off by If the Cat Fits a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I'd say that would be a good spot for her because there'll be no flooring porter. Um, I would go three miles entry, Liverpool hurdle. That would be my... My pick, if I was going to pick a race for Roxana, I think. Good shout. Good shout. And um, in theory, an easier to get three miles as well. Uh, As the lad said, Flooring Porter, who was going to catch this horse? Uh, There is a great quote from Roy DeLarge as we're debating the Paddy Power stairs hurdle. And um, somewhere along the line, he says, the horse was the worst worst form in this race. What's he even doing there? You can't trust his form. Um, well, I did. And um, to be honest about it, when Danny Mullins got the ride, uh, that's when I really got stuck in. Um, and I thought Danny was unfairly underutilized at the Cheltenham Festival, but it's not going to matter to him because he has shown his skill, his talent, his determination. And for a man who's had to wait so long for his first Cheltenham Festival victory, but also has come so close to Cheltenham victories, like photo finishes that have not gone his way, to win one of the prestige races for Gavin Cromwell on a horse that a lot of people thought had no chance going into the race. Um, 
I'm really sorry for Jonathan Moore, but I'm delighted for Danny Mullins. And uh, he gave the horse an absolute peach of a ride. He did exactly what Jonathan told him to do. And um, it's difficult, Nick. It is very, very difficult to go out there and and make a pace like that in a championship race at Cheltenham, particularly over three miles, and keep it going. But to do that on a horse at the age of six is even more difficult. And yet, Flooring Porter did it and seemed to do it easily. Yeah, I mean, it was a feature of the week, really, wasn't it? The way that horses finished off their races. I talked about Honeysuckle, and I thought, well, that's not going to be bettered. There were horses who were setting a scorching gallop from the front that were simply maintaining that gallop. Flooring Porter being one, his stable companion, Vanillier, being another, Aloho being the most striking example, who I'm sure we'll come to later. But Mm. this this horse, Flooring Porter... Gavin Cromwell said he he was very talented, but he sort of had something of the night about him. And he was worried about there being no running rail on the hurdles track at, at Cheltenham. And you saw halfway up the run and he almost had a little speed wobble, didn't he? He had a, a little duck and Gavin said he was standing right there and was half expecting him to do it. But Danny Mullins um, kept the bit high in his mouth throughout, kept good contact with him and you know, was obviously trying to keep him in a rhythm, keep him rolling along, but just to harness that relentless energy that obviously borders on going the wrong way. But they've 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 got him they've got him where they want him and he he's he's very, very talented. He's a very unusual horse to watch. Very unusual horse to watch. Gavin was saying he's just he's had little issues with his wind as well where it just occasionally just catches him and he can't breathe properly. And so as I say, it's just harnessing that raw power has been um has been quite a feat of training. And you look at the you look at the work that James Willoughby's done on on the sectional times, a really good piece of work, completely impartial as well, untinged by any preconceptions, and just using the the raw facts. And th- there were a few horses last week who redefined what's possible around Cheltenham, and Flooring Port is one of them. Yeah, that's on the Racing TV site. It's absolutely excellent. But do you just want to briefly sum up what he said because James Willoughby is one of the people I respect most in racing. His assessment of this horse's performance, I thought, was just absolutely sublime. Yeah, that's it. And it really is just that, the fact that you've got a horse who can who can set out at that gallop and, and maintain it, and the time comparison with the, with the handicap on the same card on the same course, you know, bore the closest scrutiny. And, you know, you'll quite often find Potemps hurdles run quicker than the stairs. But this was a... This was a, a tremendous performance on the clock, and it was just very striking that he was able to maintain his gallop, having having carved out one where you thought, well, he's got to come back. Everything you know about horse racing tells you he's got to come back now, mm-hmm. and a horse has to pick him up from 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 the rear of the field, and it just didn't happen. What was um, Gavin Cromwell saying to, to Lydia and, and indeed to yourself afterwards? Because the boss's Oscar is obviously a great example that, that James uses. And the fact that he slammed him back at Navin by 12 lengths. He then beat the storyteller. He's taken his form to an entirely new level. Danny wrote him exactly as a stairs hurdler and to get every single inch of it. But what was Gavin saying about this this improvement? Because you were mentioning his, his breathing, but I don't see any, any mention of a breathing operation. No, I think it's just the fact that... It, they they they've got to let him bowl along, not try and restrain him. But you know, and then he he lear- he learns to breathe better, you know, rather than you know, he was trying to trying to do everything on one breath. He's clearly not straightforward, but um, but he's very talented. Yeah, not straightforward. 
Um, but to be fair, he looked straightforward on the day. Jamie, as I was going nuts, roaring, that told you, Danny, I told you this was going to be your Cheltenham, that this was going to be the time you'd win. Just delighted for him. But also, his style of running brought me back to Limestone Lad and made me think, God, do, do we have a, another Limestone Lad on our hands, but one that actually won a Stairs hurdle when Limestone Lad came up so agonizingly short? What was your impression of his run and, and the race as a whole? Jamie delighted for Danny part one you know like he he might have picked up a spare in the morning but but it's a function of all the incredible hard work that he's put in up to this date so it's the hard work that allows you to get into that position to pick up that spare and and did absolutely everything right on him um not that he had much choice at times but uh to Nick's point kept the bit well in his mouth and um was was there to support him every every inch of the way and um yeah I think absolutely You've covered the sectionals point. Um, I was blown away. Incredible effort to, to keep going from the front like that. Um, and rather than labour the point, the only other thing I'd call out is, um, you know, Sardar Berle ran, ran a solid race. Paisley Park was right there. The form looked rock solid. Uh, Beacon Edge was an interesting one for me. who travelled beautifully the whole way around and would be my idea of the entry hurdle winner over two mile four if he went there. Mm. Um, I don't know if they will, but um, that looks a weak enough race now. And I, I don't know of anything else that looks better suited to a two mile four over on good ground than, than him. He's, he's improving. Yeah, I thought that was, that was eye-catching before just not quite staying home. As we discussed in the preview event, the Triumph Hurdle is indeed a championship race. Rachel Blackmore... Henry de Bromhead, Cheveley Park, back in the winner's enclosure from what I thought was a really fantastic ride from Tom Scudamore, but also a brilliant performance from David Pipe and, and Adagio on a very emotional week for them and uh, our sympathies to them. And Nick, you broke the news actually to Jonathan Neeson on, on air and you could see Jonathan Jonathan nearly fell back when you told him. But Quilixius was absolutely outstanding. Outstanding because he was given such a brilliant ride by Rachel Blackmore, but his victory almost summed up the week. Way better than these. I think Quilixius just way, way better. I think he's a, a horse who is a is a genuine champion hurdle contender for next year. I know it's hard for four come five year olds, but he's unusual in a couple of respects. First well, three respects in that he moved yards a week before the event, but a couple more respects insofar as, first, he's not very experienced um, for, a, for a horse of, of his age. Secondly, he produced what was a, a fantastic final um, couple of furlongs to win this race. Normally, the Triumph Hurdle is just an attritional race where the winner is the horse that has, uh, has slowed down the least quickly. Mm -hmm. But in, in this case, I think we've got a horse who would have no problem tackling two miles on the old course. I think he should be uh, campaigned as a champion hurdle. So I don't know whether he will be, but I think that's the way they should go. Of course, the same yard has <laughs> Bob Ollinger and has the certain honeysuckle. So trying to keep all those aces apart is, is going to be difficult. If indeed they want to, they might just run them all. But I think, it, you know, if you take out where he's trained, I think he's a horse who should be campaigned as a, as a champion hurdle horse. He's just way better than the others. Way, way better. Adagio is a very likable horse who David Pipe's done a great job with. But I, other than that, I think they were they were a, a bunch who were probably better suited to other things down the line. Zana here was an obvious disappointment. Weird that they have a tongue tie in him for the first time after a layoff. Didn't augur very well. He didn't seem to drop his head and, and sort of race the way you'd want him to. And the horse who finished third, Willie Mullins, has obviously got a massive future, but had only ever run in one race of any description in his mm. entire life. So 
you know, I, th- I think the winners, the winner was first, Daylight was second in what to watch was rather a dull race. It was a superb ride from Rachel. There's no question about that. Uh, I'd agree with you about his prospects of being a potential champion hurdler. Why not give it a go, particularly given the ride that, that Rachel gave him? And if he is the kind of horse who's going to just bowl along in front, he would be a fascinating runner. Zanahir was a massive disappointment. That tongue tie was a huge red flag. The warning signs just went off in my head when I saw that Thursday night. I went, oh no, this is not good. But also, the fact that Gordon Elliott was so adamant in every interview that he did, Nick, that Quilixius was going for the Boodles. And after his last run, like that's what he was saying, Boodles, he was adamant that's where he was going to go. Yet, once he goes into the care of Henry de Brumhead, who has him for, what, a week and a half, he's sent to the Triumph. And the market move for him was very significant so uh, wasn't he last man standing a little bit as far as the market's concerned clearly clearly confidence was not high behind Zana here because this is always everyone has said was by far the best juvenile hurdler all season yeah. his form had stacked up perfectly well he produced good efforts on the clock he looked absolutely brilliant on a couple of occasions you know really you know with all that under your belt he probably ought to have been odds on the 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 horse of um Alan King's Tritonic, they couldn't give him away. Now, was that just because people believed by that point that that no British trainer could have a winner in a grade one? Maybe, maybe that, maybe that was it. But he, he was very weak. And, you know, given what he'd done at at Kempton, when people immediately anointed him as the likeliest triumph hurdle winner, Zana here or no Zana here. You know, the fact that Calixios went off a very, very, very well supported Mm -hmm. second favourite. I I just feel he was the last man standing. I really do. I think he's a very, very good horse, but, it was a, it was a, as I say, a race that rather fell to pieces and a rather, a rather dull spectacle. I'm, not, I'm, I remain to be convinced that the distillation of supposed quality into the Triumph Hurdle, with the, with the advent of, of the Fred Winter, was a good idea. But I'm, I'm in a minority of one there, so I'll just leave it at that and on we move. Mm, I, I quite like the Fred Winter, although I didn't like it this year, seeing as I didn't get next nor near the winner. Uh, but we'll, we'll, I'll come back to you, Nick, because I, I want to talk to you about uh, Tritonic. Uh, Jamie, Qualixius, first of all, Zanahir just broke my heart. But as I said, that Thursday night, the um, yeah, the alarm bell started ringing because I did not like the sign of the first sign, uh, first time tongue tie. Um, what was your overall impression of, of the race? And indeed, what was your overall impression of Qualixius? And uh, by the way, Adagio, Slauncher. I'm, I'm happy to hear that that Nick rates Quilixios because I quite want a few people to take this form seriously um, and include them all in their 10 to follows because I think that Quilixios wouldn't see which way Bob Ollinger or Honeysuckle went and I want, I want as many people as possible to include it <laughs> in their 10 follows. Oh, it's on! <laughs> it's on! Um, no, no, I think, I, I think he was a deserved winner of it. I think just because they went a crawl and he was the quickest, I think they could have run it another way, any other way and he still would have won. And um, I just think it was a rubbish race. Santa here wants further. Tritonic w- wasn't on for some, whatever reason. Um, yeah, no. Old Uncle like I said, was, I mean, his second ever run. Bad race, good horse. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you about Tritonic then, because Alan King was incredibly bullish about this horse. Kate Tracy could not have warned enough on this show. Be very, very wary of the Adonis form. We see this every single year. An Adonis horse comes along, and for some reason that form 
It used to be brilliant, but nowadays it doesn't quite hold up. As you said, they couldn't give him away. And it's now 2015 since Alan King last trained a Cheltenham Festival winner. And this did seem to be genuinely a big chance for him. I I, I really feared him. It's a here disaster. But what was your take on Tritonic? And, and for that matter, Alan King for the entire week. I mean, it just didn't happen for him again. Well, I think that's, I mean, he didn't really have any runners, did he? I mean, Alan King doesn't have a a whole group of horses that are equipped to go to the Cheltenham Festival anymore. You know, there were times when he'd have three or four favourites. Now, his, his training career, you could argue, has become more successful because he's training more group winners on the flat. Yeah, He's trading horses incredibly effectively. He's still going at a, at a high, if not higher, strike rate over jumps. But because the dynamics have changed, and we've, we've talked for the last two weeks about the way that, or particularly the last few days, about the way the dynamics have changed and where the power bases are, he's not a power base in terms of grade one jumpers as he might have been at one point. So I, I wouldn't sort of read anything into the stable being being in, in any way below par. For whatever reason, this horse just was not equipped to deal with this with this event, whether it was the undulations he didn't like. He was just never really going. And that's not the same horse that, that rolled up at Kempton, even though the form at Kempton's probably not worth a hill of beans. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, if he'd finished a respectable third, you'd have just thought, okay, the Kempton form wasn't up to much. But... The fact that he was just never really in the hunt at all makes me think that his career is 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 destined to be more as a as a high quality flat horse than it is as a as a as a championship hurdler. We shall move on to the chasers, gentlemen, and uh, to the Queen Mother Champion Chase or the Betway Queen Mother Champion Chase uh, all season. Uh, I have told people to back, put the kettle on. In fact, in our season preview, as in at the very start of the season, I said, you know, Oracle winners have a fantastic record in the champion chase. This is the horse you want to be backing. Um, you think I put a cent on put the kettle on with her Kilkenny colors on her? Not one single cent. Not in one lucky 63. But I was absolutely delighted for Aidan Coleman and again for Henry de Bromhead. Um, Harry Skelton, ooh, you might want to rerun that. Um, and then, of course, we've got the case of Chacan Pourcevoir. Um, There are so many storylines in this race, Nick. Um, we'll, we'll start with the winner who, who deserves the praise. She remains unbeaten at Cheltenham. And this was, a again, a terrific training performance from Henry de Bromhead, but a brilliant ride from Aidan Coleman as well. It was a good ride. I mean, it was a straightforward ride, wasn't it? Because she is what she is, what she is, and she's very game. And you can just be as bold as you like on a chucker at everything, and she keep coming up. Um, so it was to her great credit, you know, a, a sound round of jumping, keeping herself out of trouble, and picking up well up the hill. That's what you need to win a championship, and that's what that's what Aidan Coleman got. Was it a vintage performance to win this race? No, the proximity of, of so many other horses suggests not. Um, did Chacan Pourcois run a race or was he way below par? That's, I think, quite an, that's a more d- uh, nuanced and more interesting argument. To your point about Nubi Negra and Harry Skelton, I suspect, I suspect until about a stride after the last fence, Harry had ridden the perfect race on Nubi Negra. He was unlucky because Nubi just sort of stumbled after the last, which just mm-hmm. lost him a little bit of momentum. And he then had to switch around, put the kettle on to, to make the challenge. 
but for that, I think the horse would have made it made it pretty close. And he's probably thinking, well, was I was I tracking the right horse coming down to the last? And was I was I hanging on too long? But um, I think they thought Nubi Negra was all about speed, and they wanted to conserve that finishing kick as long as possible. And he he just kind of flattened, half flattened on him up the hill. Um, so now they know him a little bit better. That was his first time in a race of anything like that description. Uh, I I confidently predict Nubi Negra to come out on top of that group the next time they met. Well, the fact that put the kettle on kept on so gamely there's every reason to think that even if he had jumped the last that she may very well have pulled out just a bit more maybe we keep underestimating her i thought she was a very deserved winner yet again a championship race at cheltenham for henry de bromhead and it wouldn't be the last the shakam paul thing's interesting isn't yeah it? that's what i was just about to ask you but nick so be- yeah, it- like he he came into the race and i mean look i'll 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 hold my hands up here. I was completely wrong about this because there were people saying he won't come up the hill. And I said, well, have, have you seen the hill at Leopardstown? There's no <laughs> question about that. that I don't think it was that. Like, I don't think it was either. So quickly, And he sort of drifted left and he stopped so quickly. Mm. I'm absolutely convinced this can't have been his running. To Jamie's point, he's a lightly raced horse who's had issues. And Jonathan Neeson was making this point with you beforehand. That's the reason he didn't like him. That's the reason he didn't want to be backing him at odds on, Nick, and how right he was. For many of us, we felt that this was his time to shine. He was going to be the banker. And clearly, Willie Mullins felt the same way as well. Do you feel he just didn't give his running or he's just been a little bit overhyped? Possibly a little bit of both. I never mind a bit of overhype, to be honest. I think it was what kind of oils the wheels of the game. So mm-hmm. I've no no bother with that. The horse has run to, arguably run to ratings of, of north of 170 on his last five or six runs. So there aren't many horses in training that can do that. So I, I don't think that's overhype. But the, the horse has got a tall reputation, but he's deserved it to a certain extent. What he ha- he, I think it could be this. He'd never had an experience like this before. Okay, so he'd he'd never, you know, since his three-year gap between his last run in France and his first run in Ireland, he'd never been out of Ireland before, ever, in his life. Well, he had. He was in Cheltenham last year. He just didn't race. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah. sorry. I beg your pardon. He'd never... Uh, no, spot on. Spot on. He'd never, he'd never had a race outside mm. Ireland in his life. He'd never run in a race with a, a, what you would call a big field in a championship event. Now, I know there were only nine in the champion chase, but they were in you know, they were close quarters. They were racing tight. They were racing hard from the outset. I, I don't think it, 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 it was an alien, a relatively alien experience to him, that race. And it might just be that the, the rhythm of, of the race just didn't suit him. That it, You know, he... he as you say, he's a—he's not a, a six-year-old. He's a nine-year-old now who's not taken much racing. And this was his first sort of go at something like this. Mm. So even though, even though the form book says he should have won this and won this by four or five ready lengths, the circumstances of the race and, and the context of his career may have contrived to make that impossible for him. I don't think it's really anything to do with him not coming up the hill or having some some sort of deficiency. I think, I think perhaps just it was something a bit different and it didn't suit him as well as the other tests had suited him. Yeah. I think Nick has eloquently summed that up. Uh, nine years I, of I, age- I don't know. I mean, they're all scratching their heads saying he was flat and blah, blah. So maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe just had an off day, got out of bed the wrong side, but I, I didn't see, you know, he jumped 
I, I thought pretty well. Travelled well, jumped well. Um, he just didn't. He just didn't finish off his race quite as, as strongly as the as the front two. And because you knew a bit about put the kettle on, and you knew a bit about the horse in fourth and fifth, you thought, yeah, well, I thought he was a bit better than that. And maybe he's not all that much better than that. Maybe he's not that far clear of the division. You know, if you easy enough to say in hindsight, but what had he done the previous time? He'd beaten Fakir Duderi and a notebook. And in a relatively uncompetitive scenario, probably not that hard to look good against them. Okay, he, he thrashed, put the kettle on at Christmas, but there's no way that put the kettle on's as good on softish ground at Leopardstown as she is on fastish ground at Cheltenham. And it wasn't the plan. She was supposed to go to Kempton, so she had been rerouted. To be fair to her, I know that people will say, "Well, Fakir Dudari was second at Cheltenham, but he was second a long, long way." How far would Allah have won that champion chase? Ooh. I mean, by quite a long way, I'd I'd say it's not lost on Willie Mullins, is it? This is why it was such a disappointment because he never won the damn race. Yeah, in spite of Duvan two to nine, Jesus. this horse this year, and what the horse couldn't run last year, and all the rest of it. It's this sort of. Slightly star-crossed, and and that's I'm sure that's why he half fancies having a go at it with Alaho next year because he thinks, well, that's going to be my best. It's going to be my best shot. The horse goes so re- well round Cheltenham. He just he just bulldozes him into submission, wouldn't he? I, but, but I exactly. exactly. And this, this I think is is why where the point around maybe Shakon Paul not being himself that day makes sense because if you take him out of the race. That that is a very average champion chase. By by like sure, Nuba Negra is an improving horse, put the kettle on, doesn't get the credit she deserves, is admirable. But are you really telling me there's a one seventy horse in there? Probably not. What and that's what, what do you think if he'd had his time against? See, Paul Town had had it in his head, and I spoke to Ruby Walsh about this at the beginning of the week. Yeah. What what if Paul Townend had done had, had played Shaq and Poursois original game, which was to basically smash the race apart? Four out, three out, and everything else is 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 gasping, and then he he's got enough in the tank that he just he just canters home. Um, now that's counterintuitive to do that, and it's mm. counterintuitive to try and do it at Cheltenham. You look like an idiot if you go too soon and then get caught. But that really was the way he was smashing fields apart, small fields apart, until the most recent time at the Dublin Racing Festival when he just hung on to him with a bit, rode him with a bit more confidence. But he was taking the game to the others early in his races. And, and Paul Townend rode the sensible race at Cheltenham, but that, that isn't the game that he was taking to his rivals in those races, like where he thrashed Effie de Soy at Punchestown and where he demolished them at Christmas and where he completely marmalized Min in the, in the Dublin chase two years ago. Um, those kind of signature, oh my God, this horse is a bit special type performances. He was doing something a little bit different. He was, he was, he was taking it to him halfway around. So, and again... Yeah, just something to consider. hundred percent. And I think it's probably a confluence of all of this. Uh, it's probably a confluence of Cheltenham not being his perfect test and the race not being run ideally and and him not being quite himself that day and, and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, for me, really what, what I'm getting at is is if Chacon Poursois came up against any of these horses again, I would have no hesitation being with him. Um, I think Alaho, as you say, Alaho, I think, would have won this by 10 lengths. I don't think they would have seen which way he went. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just absolutely, I've never, he's also, he travelled so well in this race. And you talk about the time he beat um, Defi de Soy at Punchtown. 
Like he traveled so well that race and he was in behind and then he sort of went through the field as he went through the gears. He didn't go out from the front and sort of pummel them. And, and he was sort of doing that again here. And then he just hit the front and completely cut out. Yeah. And it was, it's just, if, if it was my horse and it was running in a two mile made nerdle round, uh, round Navin, as has been the case of late, I would have said, Oh, his wind's gone. Um, but clearly, you know, your wind doesn't suddenly just go as a nine-year-old. But, you know, I, I'm not a bet. <laughs> I'll leave that up to the Mullins team. But yeah, Matt, you have something wrong. You talked about Alaho being a potential champion chase winner. To be fair, Willie Mullins does like to think out loud. And he did nominate a number of targets for Alaho. But Rachel Blackmore... Again, taking a prestigious prize. And this was her second win in a row for Willie Mullins and uh, for Shively Park. He's blown his rivals apart, but they've been trying him over staying distances, Nick. Surely this is it now. This is the distance that they found. He's ideal at two mile four. Why would you then drop him back to two miles next season as an eight-year-old? to take on Shishkin. Yeah, but what if you fancied winning the champion chase as well? You know, there is a there is an element of sport to it too. And, mm. you know, it's um it, it's it's entirely it's entirely possible that that's what they'll want to do. Um particularly as I don't think there's going to be too much external pressure placed on Willie Mullins from Cheveley Park. You know, you talk to talk, talk to Richard Thompson on on my Sunday program on Racing TV the other day and yeah, it's very it was very much his late father's project this sort of latter day jumps racing departure mm. something that he just got a huge amount of pleasure and, and a big kick out of but they said you know they're very happy to see these horses through to the end of their careers but it's not like they're going to go out and restock anytime soon so i'd say that their their pleasure will will be will be perfectly sufficient if if um if the trainer says we're going to run here, I'd say that's they'll get they'll they'll go along with that. Yeah, that's an important point to take up from that interview. Just for those who didn't see it, and it is available for free. But in that interview, he did essentially state that they're not going back into the ring anytime soon. No, it doesn't sound like it. That 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 sounds like you know that the, the, they've got this clutch of what fourteen, fifteen horses to mm. to have a to have a crack on with now, and God, they can have some fun for for five years, aren't they? Oh, big time. With, Fernie Hollow and Sir Gerhard and Quilixios uh, and Envoy Allen and Alaho. Yeah. And oh, and Apluta, by the way. Um, so uh, just absolutely beautiful. What a beautiful collection of horses. I mean, I, I think they, they, if I if I could have anybody's string, you just covet them, don't you? That's absolutely beautiful group of horses. They really are. So, um, as well. but as I say, and, I think, God, sorry, sorry, Jamie. No, I was just going to say, and, and they're such a lovely different bunch of horses as well. They're, yeah. They're not all big you know, Dower Stairs, you know, you've got a couple of speed balls in there, like Sir Gerhard and Bally Adam is, is a quick one. And and then you've got the Gold Cup second and I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you talk about not not coveting thy neighbour's wife or what, or what have you, but my word, she's looking pretty. <laughs> <laughs> the Jamie Benson colours on Alaho next season <laughs> in, in a shocking change. They got it wrong with the potato race. They got it wrong with the RSA chase last season. So he's had three Cheltenham festivals to get it right. You finally found his actual distance. And suddenly the talk is, oh, might go champion chase next season. And it just felt to me as though it was, Nick, as, as you kind of alluded to, that Willie was just really disappointed in Shakan and was thinking, 
She said, I wonder if that fell in there would burn them all off. He might, you know. Again, Shishkin's going to be there, and I don't see a whole lot. You're a fan of horse racing, Emmett. You just say, bring it on, Alaho against Shishkin. Come on. 100%. Don't even, don't even try and persuade them to run him in another Ryanair. He either needs to go down or up, Alaho. He was the st- standout performer of the meeting. He wants to go down to Shishkin or up to Manila Indo and Aflutar and see what he can do. I think the champion chase is a great call. I respect your view massively so if you think that the champion chase is the right race for him then i shall ask jamie benson as well next year as people are looking to place anti-post bets would you run alaho in the champion chase i think what it comes down to for me is that we haven't proven that two mile four is his perfect trip we've proven that three miles was too far Mm. and that two mile four is grand and he is an absolute rock star at two mile four but who's to say he wouldn't be better at two the short answer is we don't know. And until we do know, then absolutely the champion chase should be on the table. The, um, yeah, there was a bit of fence sitting there at the start, but you managed to get yourself out of it towards the end, Jamie. You just got yourself out of it, son. I mean, I, mean, I, was, trying, I was trying to be a bit more polite to you. I mean, what's the, what's the short answer? Short answer is running the champion chase. So you say champion chase, Shishkin, Alaho, it's on. Rachel Blackmore goes out and hopefully Rachel Blackmore will be on again. I'm sure she will be. Uh, and goes and burns them all off from the front. And Ireland win another championship race at the Cheltenham Festival. The Ryanair takes us to the Well Child. And it's important to emphasize that, Well Child. And well done to Cheltenham for the support that they gave it. The Well Child Cheltenham Gold Cup. And for all that Rachel Blackmore had an incredible week where she equaled the record set by the great Ruby Walsh, one of the very best that we've ever seen with six winners. I will be completely honest with you, Nick, and say that I would not have backed Manella Indo with stolen money. This also is another example of Henry de Bromhead's exceptional training ability because he has been so disappointing this season. Yes, he got off to, to two winning starts, but when the pressure was applied to him at Leopardstown, he failed. He could do no better than be six and something lengths behind Kemboy as favourite. Uh, hence why Rachel Blackmore jumped off him and Jack Kennedy came in for the ride. But this was absolutely fantastic from Jack Kennedy, but also from Henry de Bromhead to have him spot on. It's one of those, isn't it? One of those that looks quite easy in hindsight, because you say he's run two belters at Cheltenham before. He obviously excels at the place. Uh, he's the right sort of age, right sort of experience level, and it's forgive one poor run, isn't it? It is just the forgive one poor run. I mean, mm. the fall at Leopardstown was just a bit weird, and he didn't get very far anyway, so you're not going to judge him on that. But you know, you were certainly, you certainly were going to judge him on the on the run behind Kemboy in the Irish Gold Cup because I thought it was just a bit. There was no real. He just he, he it was it was listless and a bit tame. Never fired. Yeah, you listened to Henry the other day, and he was saying, well, the the goal was to get round and really it was all with a view to training him for the Gold Cup and they got it absolutely spot on. I I was terrified really because I'd fancied Aplutar since two years ago. Oh years no. Ago. Oh no. And uh, I, I I was completely convinced that Aplutar was going to win until until the first interview that Lydia did with Henry de Bromhead when she said when he said, oh, Indo's in savage form. He's kicking the stable door down like he always does at Cheltenham. He comes alive here. And, and I looked down and I thought, oh, and he's got Jack Kennedy on him as well. And 
oh, <laughs> I thought everything, everything set up for him to spoil the party. The enemy is within. Get on uh, the toad quick. At no point, at no point during the race did I think Aplutar was going to beat Minella Indo. I mean, he ran his heart out Aplutar. I couldn't mm. be disappointed. Minella Indo was just a bit better all the way around, wasn't he? He was a bit better. I remember doing this podcast with you two years ago. And we were banging on about Minella Indo. Um, we were singing his praises after he won the Albert Bartlett. Yeah. Um, and it just, I was, I was reminded of that about halfway around. I thought he's tanking, like he was, he's tanking. And he was just a bit slicker at his obstacles and a bit quicker away from them and just a bit better everywhere, a bit stronger up the hill, bit, you know, he just looked a half a tiny, an ounce better, didn't he, than Aplutar all the way around. I love Aplutar though. I think he's a fabulous horse. Can't wait to see him at Aintree. Um, two two smashing horses they really are. I love the fact that De Bromhead called them his, called them his Denman and Corto star, and it was it was the Denman that won it this time. To be fair to Aplutard, he's a year younger. I genuinely don't think Rachel did, did anything wrong. I'd be interested to hear your view if you felt that there was something that she could have done. God, no, no, I, I thought she gave him a great ride. I thought she maximised. I mean, yeah. she gave me half a cheer. She gave me half a cheer as they came to the second last. I went, go on, Rachel, but I couldn't give it a. I couldn't I couldn't roll up the, the race card and start beating the, the, the running rail with it. Throwing the there were a couple of times on Friday where I, I managed to get managed to get the race card rolled up. I could never get the race card rolled up for Aplutar. It was never quite it's never quite gonna happen. Indo was just stronger in every department, I thought. Mm. Album photo I think's run a career best. I'd agree with you. I think this is a career best from album photo, and I don't think there can be too many complaints. And he has been carried out in the shield. It's a fantastic. I think he travelled really well. Again, he's he's not the he's not the slickest jumper in the world, is he? No. You know, he just tend, has a tendency to land a bit steeply and not be quick away. And if you wanted a performance of where the, the jumping was perfect, it was Manila Indo. So. No, I just think they're two better horses. They're better horses than Albin Photo. He's run, he's run an absolute blind. He's been brilliantly trained. He's been beaten by better horses. Yeah, and there were these were the two new horses that were in against him. Speaking of Nicky Henderson, another new horse that was in against him was Champ. What did he have to say about his uh, performance in the race? Big issue with his back, and he's going back to Ireland. And uh, you know, he he clearly either did something when he lurched at the first, but yeah, I. It was a weird. It was weird, wasn't it? And the way the way he the way he dived violently, virtually through the through the brush wing at the first, knew the game was up straight away. It's amazing in jump racing how, unless the horse is called Mount Ida, it's amazing in jump racing how quickly in a good race you know the game's up. You definitely knew the game was up with him straight away. No, I mean, he, straight away. The minute they jumped the first, that was it. Game over. Second was bad. Third was worse. That's it. Yeah. You know, Santini said he didn't face the visor. But, uh, Santini. It just hasn't been his season at all, has it? He just hasn't gone with any zip or zest at any point, visor or no visor. But Champ was such a shame because I thought he was he was the other interesting one, really. He was the other one coming through apart from the, the, the first two. And just before I get your thoughts on the front three, Jamie, of those in behind, who were you most disappointed with? None of them. None of them. Because it was all about the front three, wasn't it? Um, I think this is the best... Front three, three in the Gold Cup since since the Denman Corso Star long run, isn't it? Like, yeah, I'd agree with you. I, I, they still need to. I hope they say sounds the first and second Miller and uh, Aplutar because I really, I really think they could be proper super. I think they really are superstars. Um, I'm, I've been a, a Manella Indo fanboy for 
for as long as everyone else, <laughs> it seems. And uh, I, I just was completely, completely. I mean, I, I know everyone talks about Alaho being the performance. Or, well, sorry, Willie Mullins' performance of the week. Uh, and then Honeysuckle. But for me, Manella Indo was hands down the performance of the week. I think she dispatched a proper horse in Aplutar. And to Nick's point, I mean, a two-time Gold Cup winner has arguably run a career best to come five lengths, six lengths, second, uh, third. Like, that's a Gold Cup. And, you know, it was it was proper goosebumps stuff. And, uh, you know, for me, that that's all that matters. <laughs> got my goosebumps and that's all that matters no I agree with you and it's it's almost like a, a passing of the guard with Alvin Fuller but Henry de Bromhead he's got the monsters here I don't think it's impossible that a Plutard turns the form around next year Nick to give you hope by the time they, they come into to next year that there's every chance that a Plutard will be able to potentially turn that form around but the Gold Cup is going to be about these two and Monkfish and a couple of other novices coming through but it's De Bromhead is the one who has the key to the Gold Cup I think so the Monkfish is Monkfish is an odd one because it didn't look great but the facts tell you that it probably was it was a a very good performance on the clock from Monkfish and he mm. still won fairly convincingly by six or seven lengths but it wasn't sort of it, I, I it's just a personal view I don't find him a very attractive horse to look at <laughs> He's not, he's not as, um, I don't know. He, he's quite an unusual shape of horse. And he, I never, I never think to the eye, he's quite as, he's quite as um, appealing to watch through a race as, 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 as say a Manila Indo or an Alaho or a, you know, one of these sort of horses. Or, you know, it may well be that he'll start, he'll furnish yet more, but he is what he is. But he is unbelievably able, like he can run hard and he can run fast and for long, for a long time. So, you know, Monkfish is going to be formidable. He is going to be formidable Um, because that might have been Monkfish not quite at his best as well. And if that's the case, then he's, he's going to be a, a huge opponent for for anyone to to take down just because he's he must just have an amazing heart and lung capacity to to be able to to run the times he's doing and kind of a kind of without a race setup that's enabling him to do it either like that that race that he ran in this year wasn't really enabling him to doing anything terribly special yet he still stopped the clock in a a really impressive time so it doesn't look it to the eye like if i didn't know anything other than other than oh, he's beaten a forty to one poke and he's he's done it and scrambled over the last. I think well, I don't really fancy him to win the Gold Cup next year. But when you you look at how fast he's actually run, then he he's going to easily graduate to Gold Cup class and he's going to be a fascinating contender. So to be fair, it actually reminds me a little bit of when Manila Indo won the Albert Bartlett, in that he was so keen and you thought there was absolutely zero, this horse got zero percent chance of coming in the top ten, let alone winning this race. And then goes away and, and wins it, outstaying everything. You go, my God, how's a horse done that? And then you look at Monkfish and you go, oh, he hasn't jumped very well. You know, Paul Townend's asked him for a long one. He's gone short. He's left him alone. He's come out of his hands. And like, you're looking at it, going, oh my God. And then you look at the time. And go, Jesus, he's done a proper time. Mm. And you wonder, well, when this does actually, you know, when Manila, when Manila Rindo learns to settle, imagine how good he can be. When Monkfish does everything right, imagine how good he can be. And that's, quite bloody exciting <laughs> to be fair it's it's hard not to be excited about when you look at it like that 
that pretty much brings to a close our review of the championship races Cheltenham 2021 but I, I can't go without saying Nick that first of all 23-5 to be fair this whole Presbury Cup thing no one talks about it at Aintree and no one talks about it at Punchestown if British horses come over but 23-5 out of eight races is pretty significant so is this the kick that the BHA or those who have the power to do so need to increase the prize money in, in the UK because this is not like Ireland or Man City and we've just bought our way to success and we're instantly there. This has been a very slow build process. You've got you've got to, you've got to ask yourself the question, haven't you? What is driving? What is driving the owners with the uh, biggest? checkbooks to have all their horses trained in Ireland? What is, what's driving that? Is it prize money? Well, only partly, I think. So you, there are lots of separate issues here that are somewhat interconnected. Yes, there's a ma major issue with prize money in England relative to Ireland. We know that. Is that why the Irish are having all the Cheltenham Festival winners? Not exclusively. Is better prize money the only reason that say, British-based owners like Rich Ritchie and Chibley Park have got their horses in training with Willie Mullins and Gordon Elliott, formerly, and Henry de Bromhead. Well, I don't think it is. I think it's a, a, a combination of there being more attractive racing opportunities a better, and arguably a, um, a slightly more lucid uh, and better written racing programme for top-class horses in Ireland, and also the fact that these guys have got a brilliant record at preparing horses for the Cheltenham Festival. And, and sort of success has bred success in that regard. Plus, they've got great access to the best seed corn, to the best raw material. They are closer to the action that, that the best of that raw material is coming out of Ireland. And you know, they are now choosing to have the horses trained in Ireland. And that really is the real reason why Ireland is so dominant. Yes, prize money in Britain is not great. And yes, the, the programme book requires a bit of tinkering. I don't buy the idea that it's broken. It's certainly not that different to what it was a decade ago or two decades ago and there have been all sorts of theories about whether handicappers are favored too much not enough whether more horses should be running in handicaps whether horses should be given a harder preparation a softer preparation whether they should be given more time whether they should start earlier at the end of the day a good horse runs faster than a bad horse and most of the good horses uh, have been sourced early. They've been sourced early in Ireland, and whether they're owned by an Englishman, an Irishman, a Scotsman, a Welshman, or a Frenchman, they want them trained by an Irish trainer. And much of that is to do with the way that Willie Mullins revolutionised the way that Irish horses could be successful at the Cheltenham Festival. Is it a bit odd that Paul Nichols has great connections and Nicky Henderson have great connections, and yet, um, and for that matter, Philip Hobbs and uh, Alan King and others as well but yes as you say it's still the better horses just seem to be ending up in ireland for one reason or another um yeah, they don't they don't they don't have a, a group of of owners with the same with the same spending power and that's that's just that they don't i mean now you've got um brian atchison and joe donnelly and noel moran and others, you, 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 Chievely Park, even if that is a temporary thing, mm. 
that's certainly been the case latterly. So you know that, that there's a lot of there's a lot of things that have com- a lot of stars have aligned to to bring this about. It was an incredible Cheltenham. Willie Mullins is crowned champion trainer. I think Willie Mullins he took that that trophy, but I think indeed he has admitted that really the star of the show Nick was undeniably Henry de Bromhead. Yeah, I mean Willie was the leading trainer, and and Henry was the champion trainer. Really, that's yeah. That's the way you look at it, though. Arguably, in Alaho, Willie Mullins had the horse who produced the most devastating performance of the week. But yeah, it was Henry de Bromhead's Cheltenham. There's no doubt about that. And Rachel Blackmore's Cheltenham uh, amongst the riders. Um, so it was uh, de Bromhead, Mullins, and and Blackmore and, and Kennedy. It was her Cheltenham, but there's no reason why this is not something that she will repeat. Without doubt, yeah, she's gonna she's gonna repeat it next year and the year after. I mean, it'll be a disappointment to her if she's not getting four or five well three or four winners at least at the at the festival every year you know that's going to be a that's going to be a minimum because she's there in situ with one of the most powerful strings in in England or Ireland mm. um so yeah she's and she's she's shown she's got everything she's got the tactical acumen she's got the determination she's got the 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 skills yeah it's it's all there and you know while she doesn't while she doesn't want to um allow the the gender narrative to be the dominant narrative it nonetheless nonetheless her actions are doing a huge amount to inspire um generations of of, of girls to to want to be top sports women in whatever field so all power to her well said and jamie i presume a similar assessment from yourself my man. she's just a superstar isn't she i mean you can't help but put a smile on your face I mean, I got messages from people who have the most tenuous interest in racing last week, just going, oh, go on, Rachel, go on, Rachel. I was like, That's, this is literally what it's all about. And yeah, it, even the most hardened cynic of a racing fan slash commentator, just there's, there's, no bad, there's no bad spin you could put in it. No. People try and do the, do the, oh, well, you know, it's, it's still, she's still talked about as a female jockey rather than, no, she's not. She's talked about as a jockey, exactly. champion jockey at Cheltenham. And it's it's expanding beyond our sport. I'm just I can't wait to see it do it all again at Punchstown and Ferry House before that. And hopefully as well. Who knows? Maybe Henry's got the uh, Grand National winner. We'll be doing a Grand National special on the Final Forum podcast next week. Rachel Blackmore, by the way, currently lies second behind Paul Townend. She was third behind Davy Russell and Paul Townend the year before, and she was second the year before that in the Irish Jockeys Championship. This is not just something that has come from nowhere. This has been a lot of work and a long-term project. And congratulations to her. She's done Ireland proud. Nick, look, pleasure to chat to you as always. Your daily podcast is available on all podcast platforms. You can see it pretty much alongside our Final Furlong podcast, wherever you are, particularly on Apple and Spotify. But also you have the excellent Look on Sunday, uh, which will be back this Sunday on Racing TV. That's right, Emmett. And is free to air. Nick Luck, thank you so, so much for your expert insight and your brilliant work during the week as well. You made us feel like we were there at a meeting we desperately wanted to be at. So thank you so much, Nick. And uh, take care. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. Jamie Benson, superb stuff as always. Uh, In terms of the championship races for the week, how happy were Tote overall, aside from one person having to run to the CEO and go, but account acquisitions. Overall, how was the week uh, for Tote? Yeah, it was, it was, it was 
great week. You know, you can't, you can't but love it. Very busy. And um, the Charmer Festival 10 to follow went well. Uh, we saw um, a 10 grand winner of the main prize and uh, free prizes given away to all sorts of people, um, including Cheltenham membership and all that kind of stuff. So that was a success. And yeah, we're hopeful that we can bring it back for more festivals, probably looking at Ascot as the next one, but but not sure. We'll have to see how, how, how we go. What we're saying is that potentially... Toast could be doing a mini tent to follow because obviously there'll be the flat tent to follow. We could be getting a mini tent to follow for Royal Ascot, which is without question, whether you like it or not, Jumps fans, the flat season has arrived. It's here. We got to talk about it. Royal Ascot is just sensational. Yeah, absolutely. So we're hopeful that we will bring it back for that. And like you say, the flat tent to follow kicking off as, as normal um, at the start of May. And uh, yeah, plenty, plenty more to come. Excellent. Okay. And as the jumps tend to follow, uh, obviously continues, does the build up to the flat tend to follow start soon? Uh, yes, it will do. I need to check in with, uh, with our marketing team to see when that is, because I realize I haven't. <laughs> so so um, yeah, no, also I imagine we will be launching before the guineas um, as is traditional. Um, so closing on the Friday uh, of the before the two thousand and one thousand guineas. Uh, I mean, you gotta love Jamie's honesty, and we've come to know Jamie very well now on the <laughs> Final Forum podcast. And and the other thing that I would say to him is um, superb work. For, first of all, he can be forgiven. It was Cheltenham. It was insane. The Pari Mutual was in on the toast. Right, there was money left, right. The gravy was there for you to take. It was your responsibility to go and take it. And we hope that you did. Also, if you listened to what Jamie had to say on the Cheltenham preview night, you'd have done all right. If, if you listened overall between Kate Tracy, uh, Rory, Danny, but Jamie, you um, you knocked it out of the park, man. So well done. There, there can be no complaints, my friend. No complaints whatsoever. It's to, to deliver some a little a little bit of gravy for the final furlong listeners so oh. a little pot you get from kfc just a little bit we're not even going for the little pot we, we had to go for the big pot for the gravy that was uh, flowing uh, from the final forum podcast i love that preview uh, absolutely love doing that and uh, love this review as well of the championship events so tomorrow was i say tomorrow for us uh, for you it could be the very next show paul ferguson is alongside us with kate tracy who was there for the week of cheltenham working alongside the man who would be crowned champion trainer of cheltenham willie mullins as we analyze the novel events champion bumper and we'll take a look at the best from the handicaps and of course we're talking tiger roll what a performance we told you easy's land was not to be touched this year thank you laurent babaran you absolute legend for that key information hopefully final forum podcast listeners got all the gravy possible by lumping on the tiger from jamie benson nick luck and myself thanks so much for listening we hope you enjoyed it we hope you enjoyed cheltenham we will chat to you in the next show on the final furlong podcast till then god bless the final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by tote try tote today and get a risk-free bet on the pools